back to November. Hey, Max, so listen, man, today is uh, Monday, March 25th, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because today we released the 33rd episode of our podcast, the one we're currently recording, uh, Where's My Burrito? Uh, Really good episode, by the way. I kind of forgot it existed until I had to mix it, and I loved it. The reason I'm bringing this up, as you may recall, that we we opened, the majority of the episode is talking about my trip to LA. I'm like, I released it today. This is your big announcement. You're going to go to LA after a lot of fucking, you know, hate for no reason. (laughs) I'm from New York. Right. Don't worry. I eat. Well, we'll get to that. My point is this. So that episode came out today and in it, I'm like, Hey Max, I'm going to LA in a month. So a little behind the scenes, we are clearly do this on a delay. We have three episodes or whatever. I'm, I'm telling you all of this to let you know that I got back from LA today, even though the podcast would have you believe my trip is in a month. Okay. I already had that trip. I want that announcement to be made because we're going to talk about LA at length here. Um, and as we've, we previously said, Max, and you can obviously attest to this for no reason, uh, just actively hated LA because there is the stupid mentality of uh, New York, LA, East coast, West coast, which city is better. It's a silly argument. I still think New York is the better city, but that does not mean that LA is not the better fucking place to be. Uh, you want to talk about like an about face, Max? Holy shit. Five days in LA and I'm like, take my money. I just want to move out West forever. Dude, it was like two days and you like messaged me. You're like, I'm going to save most of this for the podcast, but I love it and I want to live here. And I'm like, what the fuck? Two days. I literally literally said that and I was like, he's going to give me so much shit. And you didn't really, which I was very proud, like the restraint. I'm going to let you know if if it was me, I would Mm -hmm. not let you like live this down. I'd be like, you fucking idiot. I was was storing it all up for this right here. So I'll I'll dole it out as we go. Don't worry. (sighs) Well, let me go through a couple of things. Let me go. Let me sequentially like the things that happen. I'm not some star fucker. I don't like, oh, I want to hang out and find stars and shit. Because we live in in New York, man. So it's like I've run into a bunch of people. It's not like a thing. Okay. But in LA, it's different because everyone's there. So the rule is treat them like they're ghosts. You ain't allowed to say anything to them. You know, they're like, they're living with their fucking, they're living their lives. They have families. And so as soon as you see like a fucking celebrity, you I don't run. go, oi, oi, oi. Yeah. No, I run actively, man. Spanish people don't do Get ghosts. Like or something. <laughs> No, it was really over you guys. Get him. Well, it was really interesting. So we get in, we get out at night on Wednesday. And Mm. uh, the first stop we do is like, let's hit up a dispensary because, again, you know, whatever. I'm an adult. I can smoke some weed, whatever. I have a job. I pay my bills. (laughs) I don't need to prove anything to anybody. No. Uh, So the, 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 it was like, oh, let's go to this dispensary, which is, by the way, a fucking candy store. It, Mm. it changed, it blew my mind. All the shame that we associate with like if you want to buy some weed you got to like know a guy you got to meet under a shady fucking place like you got to do that not in new york so much because they're real open about it you can just get weed delivered but uh it's you know it was definitely like there's this whole stigma in la it's just like what no hey sit down do you want some cookies here's some cookies do you have a song you want to play on the fucking tv so they're like playing song suggestions and shit go in there and it's literally i'm a fucking like four-year-old at a candy shop just like i want that i want that i want just pointing at everything going like fucking destitute while i'm doing this um and that was a crazy experience and so i get out of that now like fully like holy shit this is amazing uh and then like five minutes in first thing you did yes dude i've been in la for 45 minutes oh actually before the dispensary let me just do this sequentially before the, the dispensary all right uh, which was not a good omen. <laughs> we were getting in there. So we're like right past downtown. We're about to head to Silver Lake and we have to take this left to get on Glendale. And at this light, there's a guy on a bike who stops in his tracks and throws his bike down. I'm like, what's he doing? And then there's this other dude with a fucking broken bottle. 
and he's like trying to stab this guy, I guess. And we're all just witnessing it. Like this is a fucking right. stoplight. Wait, we're like, so the guy on the bike was about to get stabbed. Yeah, he was just like, no, he threw his bike to stay away, to get out of the fucking way oh, of the whatever. I was and gonna like, say, like, that would be a really good way to get out of that situation is stay on the bike. And just get out. Right? No, yeah, he yeah. he was riding his bike and the guy was like, motherfucker. And so he jumped <laughs> off his bike. And it was so my point is this, dude. So we're sitting there, no resolution. This guy's just like, don't do it, man don't do it i'm rolling down my window because i'm an idiot i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna do but i'm yeah. just like dolores is like don't roll your fucking window down you <laughs> idiot i'm just like but i gotta help this gets resolved very quickly with like the guy eventually loses interest in the biker but then takes the broken glass goes up to the car at the stoplight and proceeds to smash the glass on the car oh the so light this guy didn't have beef specifically with the bike he guy. just had beef man he just uh, had beef which, listen, uh, the, the light turns green and I go and I have no resolution. This is my first, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, holy shit, welcome to L.A. Like, people might stab you for nothing. And, like, I have a rental car. Like, so it's a whole fucking problem. Then we get to the dispensary and I'm like, okay, things are a little bit better. As soon as we get out of the dispensary, I'm walking down the street to go back to the car. Uh, fucking Ramsey Bolton, which, by the way, I've never seen him in anything other than Game of Thrones. So I'm right. terrified of him in a way because... Well, I mean, naturally he's very small he's like five foot five or something very short what? uh but but dude doesn't matter just scares the shit out yeah. of me and i didn't they make him look pretty though. imposing on the show i wouldn't expect that well they, that they tom cruise him they go they, low they angles and cruise. shit yeah i'm like, standing on a box every time he's talking to you you're a quick detour you ever watch machete the robert rodriguez grindhouse flick or whatever i never, because, I never did see it i know i know danny trejo is like five foot four at best <laughs> okay so those angles are hilarious <laughs> and that's the only they do the same thing with ramsey bolton that's my only point. So I see Ramsey Bolton for a second. We lock eyes and then again, treat him like them go like they're ghosts, Christian. That's all I keep hearing yeah. in my head. So I'm like, all right. Uh, and he goes on his way, but I quickly, I'm like, Dolores, that motherfucker, that was Ramsey fucking Bolton, man. Mm -hmm. And she looks over and all she cares about is his wife. She's like, oh, is that his wife? And she's like Googling Ramsey Bolton's wife. <laughs> she's like, that's totally her. And I'm like, why do you know her? Why do you care? Like, was she in Game of Thrones, Dolores? No. <laughs> I'm getting like bad like, now. Screw Ramsey Bolton. I want to know about Ramsey Bolton's wife. <laughs> yeah, what is she up to? God, man. So like that's day one. And then, you know, we yeah. go back to the apartment. And it's already late at this point. So we go to Taco Zone, which is like this food truck but it's an institution so i've heard you know um and and my friend ryan um is always talking about it so it's, i went to it go ahead I, I could be wrong is this the place that has like a michelin star because there's like this it's like the cheapest restaurant that has a michelin star it's in la and i forgot to recommend it to you just i haven't been but i've heard about it where it's like a small like little like food truck that makes like amazing tacos apparently yeah i mean i don't know if it has a michelin star they didn't advertise it but i would tell you this it was the best fucking mexican food i've ever had and it was coming out of a truck and yeah. and like you were not basic i was like this was my late night spot we were there for five nights i think we got it three nights at like two o'clock in the morning because it's open yeah. and because yeah. legit dude it was the i had a burrito it was amazing i had a quesadilla it was amazing right. everything there was amazing like the, there's good mexican food in new york but it's not like the same thing geographically like, you would have yeah. to imagine la is yeah. gonna have that shit on hype you know what i mean um yeah. and they did let me confirm that so first night's pretty cool like we just get back and i like i spoke one of the one of the jays that i bought from the dispensary and i was like this is a good day uh wake up the next day and this is really where my love started because i didn't i mean i was like oh this is cool i can do shit that i can't do back home but i got up and we were staying in silver lake 
which I know is like it's apparently a really hot spot now or whatever. Um, but they right. have um, it's like kind of the hip, it's the Bushwick Williamsburg of uh, <sighs> that's LA. what Ryan said. Yeah, my friend Honus was like, it's it's Williamsburg and you hate Williamsburg, and I'm like, I didn't seem like Williamsburg to me, man. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Like I've been there. So we had this whole thing, but like, so I wake up in the morning and we're one uh, street away. So we're in Glendale. And if you go uh, the next street parallel to that is Silver Lake Boulevard. And that flanks the Silver Lake Reservoir, which is this giant fucking, you know, man-made lake, essentially, uh, in the middle of it. And there's a two-mile run. So like every morning we'd like get up, go get a coffee. And then we're doing this two-mile run. And in the two-mile run, you see the Griffin Observatory, the Hollywood sign, all that shit. And again, not like, oh, it's letters on a mountain. But it was just like, oh, shit. Like you just uh, Silver Lake, geographically, it's really, really close to East Hollywood, right? Isn't it it's, right yeah, area? it's literally it's like so right like Los Feliz is uh, northwest and then west proper is East Hollywood. Yeah. Mm. So that was a whole thing. Um, that's where the Elliott Smith uh, the, the mural okay. was where I took a picture gotcha. is right on the border. So um, but yeah, so that was fucking like amazing. Just taking these walks every day. And again, it's 62 degrees outside, but the sun is shining and the fucking birds are singing and like, yeah. you know, it just got really fucking lit. So you're taking this like two mile. It was amazing that I could eat like shit all weekend and still lose weight. Like I weighed myself. I lost a pound because I was yeah. just walking you're through walking Silver Lake yeah. all the fucking time. Um, and like that was phenomenal. I put a sticker and uh, on Armstrong Avenue on, on that two mile walk. Like I said, so it was cool. I got my like comic book out there. I kind of littered LA with stickers. That was my thing. I'm just like, I'm going to put this just comic everywhere. Right. Well, you know, Sandoros one day is going to be sitting out in LA. He's going to be at some coffee shop in Atwater. He's going to see, what's this? Here we are lost. He's going to call someone up, get me on the phone, offer me a nine-figure deal. Everyone knows this is coming, all right? <laughs> I'm just prepping it. You got to be in it to win it, Max. Anyway. Not, not even reading the comic. He just really likes that sticker. He's That's like, a cool sticker. Deal right out of the game. <laughs> uh so yeah dude so uh at this point like i'm really just falling in love with the ambiance of everything um and then you know before i go into like oh well you're only hanging out in silver lake and it's super super like bougie and shit which it kind of was but it also kind of well like it's a lot of homeless that's the weird thing about la like yeah and i mentioned that to you before i think even on this podcast is like you and i know i've said it exactly like this like it's such a schizophrenic town to me because on like you turn to one side of the street and it's classic LA with the palm trees and the setting sun and the art deco, you know, Spanish influence architecture. Right. You just turn around and it's just like a fucking homeless dude shitting in a gutter. Like uh, just, yeah. I saw yeah. a homeless dude doing the old like a pooch scooch. You know what I'm talking about? Like when dogs like <laughs> drag their ass. I saw him doing that. And I'm just like, bro, you're on sunset in Alvarado. Like this is like a lit part of town. You know what I mean? Right. And like, and I, well, that actually made me feel good about it in a weird way. Not that the guy was homeless, because I think it's abhorrent. But like, this isn't a neighborhood where people have like, you know, like well, we're, we're, we're putting them all a, in one it's spot. It's not a gated community. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, which I really fucking dug, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, later on, I went to Koreatown to meet our friend Skyler. I like hung out with my friend Skyler out there. Oh, okay. Um, he lives in Koreatown, and uh, which is I, his I love Koreatown, by the way. Well, his okay, apartment specifically. Well, we went to Casella's on your recommendation, by the way, oh, and we'll get nice. to that. Okay. Um, but when, uh, after we did all that shit, we, uh, I took him back home, and he lives literally two blocks away from MacArthur Park, which, again, like driving there yep. at night, you see the views of downtown. You're like, how isn't this the fucking central park of L.A.? And just tents everywhere. Like even in yeah. Koreatown, tents everywhere. MacArthur Park is like shocking almost when you because it's a famous park. Right. Know, and it could be beautiful, but it's just a tent city. Literally. Tyler said someone literally just got stabbed there like two weeks ago. So he's like, I can't walk over there, dog. I need you to come pick me up. And I was like, all right, I will, man. But it was uh it was crazy. The other thing I said this is like it was fucked up, but like if you're gonna be homeless in a city, like 
all right <laughs> like it's always city. 70 degrees bro <laughs> like it's always good you know yeah um all right so anyway i, I just want to so the next day i went to orange county actually to go see my friend um ryan he's in a band called man man they're really good go listen to him and he's about to put out a new record next year but he's already finished with it so he does he has this tradition of doing like shows the year before to kind of like work them out live or whatever um and so we drove to orange county and we're waiting for the show to start and then do you remember rebecca fucking black the uh friday friday gotta get down on friday she's yeah. opening for man man and i'm like confused I'm because <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not super confused because he had put it up online like opening for us for the seattle and the portland shows rebecca well, black yeah because I'm, like, I'm not a man man expert at right. all but like just based on everything i've heard from them i don't think rebecca black man man oh that's like a good symbiotic listen you know, uh, me, me, me and Ryan, because we ended up hanging out on Sunday, we like expanded on it. But before we even talked about it, let me tell you my initial impressions, which is like, she comes out and I'm like, you look familiar, but I don't know who you are. And she's dressed in like old man, man garb. Like back in the day, man, man was like uh, white on white and like face paint, right? Like oh. everyone did a uniform thing. Not really doing that anymore. Or they kind of are just not white. And so she's coming out and I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe she's just like a really big fan of Man Man. And she jumps on stage and she's like, hi, um, I'm Rebecca Black. And I'm like, what? <laughs> big bang. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? And yeah. then she's like, uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to be at the show, but like I'm from Orange County. And I'm like, I live 20 minutes from here. Why wouldn't I come down to do this show? And so she does like a six set, uh, a six song set. Um, the penultimate of which is Friday. She does a reframed version, a slowed down version of Friday. And what I was going to say immediately was like, listen, it was a joke for the first song. By song three, I'm like, yo, she's got a fucking great voice. And she's kind of a good songwriter too. Like, you know, I always love going to see um, bands. Gotta have a bowl, gotta have cereal. <laughs> don't she was actually so good about that so she did it again a half speed version of that like where it became a ballad and she right. just killed it man and like the, it became a sing-along at the end and what i was so appreciative it was like she was clearly in on the joke like you know like a lot of people would be like oh i'm so embarrassed about this i just want to be a serious artist and she's like such a good humor about it although ryan was like to be fair she got 140 million views it's like she might have been embarrassed but she got a lot of fucking money out of that and yeah, so it's I mean, maybe I, I easier have, to be. I have a lot of mixed feelings about that. Like, I think that we came after her in a really kind of semi-brutal way. Like, we did. She, to be fair, she was she thirteen. Was, dude. Yeah, she was a thirteen-year-old whose parents had bought her, you know, a, a spot at fame or chance of fame. Um, she had no say in that. She had no agency back then. No thirteen-year-old does. So, yeah, right. like uh, the fact that she's, you know, not hooked on meth or doing whatever, you know, child former child stars do. <laughs> all the power to her. Dude, she was really, really well. she was really great. I, yeah. I was really blown away by the end of the set. And I was like, I hope you do such great things, man. Because again, you weathered something at an age where you're not supposed to be weathering anything with like right. class and fucking great. Maybe she had a mental breakdown about it, but at age 21, she's like fucking great, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought she was wonderful. That was cool. And then I got to see like one of my fucking friends do a show and here's the other thing, dude. Like, I've been watching him for the last couple of years as he's gone on tour, but he's been doing stuff with his side band, Mr. Heavenly, or as a solo act, which is uh, just his Honus Honus stage name. I have not seen Man Man in like six years, and I forgot what the environment of a Man Man show is, which is like, uh, if your ladies are not into uh, like oh, kinetic fucking shows, like push them to the side. And I had mm. forgotten that. So this show starts, and he comes out with like an old fucking like, ugh, it's at like, 
a good fucking beats per minute and shit's loud and the energy's going and Dolores is getting pushed around and shit. And I'm not enjoying it because I'm just trying to protect her. You know what I mean? And the minute she's like, I'm tapping out, I'm going to the side. I'm like, okay, I'll be right there. I lived my best life for five songs, Max. I was in it. I was fucking like, uh, dude, it was a religious experience at a concert, which happens so infrequently now that we're like older. When you're younger, you can have those moments. You know what I mean? But I've seen this dude maybe 12 times in my life. Like he's a friend of mine and shit and still like just blown away by the pageantry, the stage performance and stuff like that. Yeah. And also that he played nine new songs off the record and they were all fucking amazing. Like I'm so excited for his new stuff. And that was uh, kind of, um, I mean, I don't want to say amazing again, but it was amazing, man. And then afterwards, nice. like, you know, we hung out for a bit and I, I hung out with Cyrus, who's like his best friend, who's also in the band. And it was a perfect night. I'm still waiting for something bad to happen in LA. And let me just tell you, it never happens, man. The next couple of days, I like meet some friends for brunch. I run into fucking Ben Schwartz, the John Ralphio from Parks and Rec, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, and by the way, he sent me that picture and I just like started fucking dying laughing. You're like, zoom, zoom in. And then you did it for me. <laughs> He just looks upset. <laughs> no, the thing is, he he didn't care at all. He was actually really sweet about it afterwards because I think oh, really? like I think I think the problem is that people always bother him, mm. and he's fine to be photographed from afar. He's like, <laughs> I'm fine with it, man. So he gave me a smile. It was really cool. But that dude seems like John Ralphie. Like on the phone the entire time. We're in a, a thrift store. We're just like looking at like clothes right. and shit like that. And he's just like the entire time playing with his hair. Like it's fucking crazy. I don't understand yeah. what's going on. Uh, and he was he was super cool, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. that was my point. It was just like everyone was really cool and also super dog friendly. And then, you know, I got to hang out with my friend from Brooklyn, Vanessa, which, yo, if you want to pivot for a second to talk about the state of the industry, I'm sure mm-hmm. she wouldn't. I won't name her Bo uh, because I don't want to get him in trouble. But her fiance is a visual effects producer for Aladdin. And, uh, whoa, that fucking movie is going to be a shit show, dude. Like, if any of this is true, like, apparently Guy Ritchie's on the fucking lamb. Like, he hates the movie and is like, he didn't show up for any, like, you know, so what is it called at the very end? You have to go frame by frame by frame of your fucking film to make sure you digitally correct anything that needs to be corrected. And he just skipped out on that last week, which major repercussions for this week, you know, because people yeah, so, can't. So are they like scrambling to like throw yeah. these trailers together no. to make it look halfway decent? Or... Yeah, apparently like they're they're not like they're not going to hit that release date. Like they just aren't the way like that. Right now, the work schedule, according to my friend, is that they're two weeks behind on delivering the final product. But yeah. even that was an improvement over being three months behind. And they're just cutting corners left and fucking right on this movie, man. Yeah, that's the thing. If I ever lived in L.A., like even if it was just on a volunteer level, I'd want to like get involved with productions just to see like the behind the scenes shit show. Because I've heard nothing but bad things about that production. Like from the jump, it's been everything. Every, yeah. every like the casting was a fucking problem. The filming was a fucking problem. And now like in Which, po- like apparently Guy Ritchie just hates it. Like he does not yeah. like the movie. I mean, uh, it, if we have enough, because I was thinking like Disney has not failed enough times and they've acquired so much shit not to get to on fail. the Disney thing. I would love to see them like fucking faceplant a few times on these live action adaptations of movies they already made. Right. Because if we can at least stop that trend, then like, it's like I the can solo tolerate, of it all. Like, yeah, like the solo wasn't tolerate, offensive. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can tolerate a bunch of fucking, you know, Marvel movies every year. But, like, on top of that, to have, like, a live-action Beauty and the Beast, like, it just defeats the purpose because it's, like, a frame-for-frame remake of a better animated film. There's no reason. 
and they look so ugly too. Like they, the designs yeah. on everything. They don't the really beast, do anything. The genie, like there's just like a fucking like it's so lazy and ugly. I think it makes you appreciate appreciate Favreau a little bit more because at least I mean not the Lion King so much, but his Jungle Book at least looked like it had fucking texture a little bit. Like especially yeah. compared to Aladdin, just looks fucking terrible. I don't want to. Here's the thing. Like we know how hard how much work goes into a bad movie. <laughs> like I, I don't want to detract. I mean that's a team of three hundred at least people yeah, working on something. Like hundreds of people slaving away to try to like make this look passable. Right. Like, yeah. It just everything's kind of shaping up. Hollow, shitty product. Yeah. So we're gonna see. I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I was telling her. I was just <laughs> yeah, like, no, this we, is we should, so fucking we fascinating. See it and like review it on this show. When does that come out? Uh, May 24th, and they're not going to hit that deadline. I mean, they will, but they're going to put out a fucking... You're going to see... Oh, man, I've never seen a, just a complete train wreck of a Disney that, film. That, oh, that's like a tentpole release. Uh, yeah, man. Too. Like, that's well, big. this is about shareholders. It's not about fucking like, getting the best product out there. Like They promise we can sell some toys, and so they, don't, they won't yeah. delay it, and it's, it's just bad all around. I was also just saying quickly, we can talk about like directors who are like that, but it's just like... Guy Ritchie has seemed so unhappy the more money people have given him to make movies. He's also seemed way lazier, less creative, less engaged. And I'm not saying he was yeah. ever a great filmmaker, but he had a good couple movies and he at least had a identity uh, kinetically uh, in his work. And just, I don't know what the fuck he's done for the last 10 years. I mean, that art. Well, yeah, I mean, movies. his early movies, you could like see a defined voice. And now he's making movies that are almost anonymous, like, some of it like I, I need to look up like what he's made but like that's kind of the fucking point is like he makes movies now and i don't know it's a guy ritchie movie right looking at the credits which is too bad <sighs> i just want will smith to be taken a task too i mean i like listen i know the last 10 years have kind of been will smith being taken to task but i need a real flop you know because bright yeah. successful no matter how we view it like it made money apparently for netflix however that works if yeah, he's like doing a show called Will Smith Does Something uh, these days where it's like him, like he tried stand-up recently. It's him like trying to normalize himself Ugh. and abuse a people. It's like a reality show for Facebook, I think. Oh, um, Facebook, making waves. Yeah, and there was like a thing where he like uh, got coached by Dave Chappelle and did stand-up and it wasn't that bad. And like, I don't know. He's, hmm. he, yeah, he needs to be taken to task for being a weirdo <laughs> and aladdin could be our great hope man we gotta put all our hopes on that sinking ship. i was just again i was fascinated by it because it's like she was telling me that she hasn't even seen her her guy in like a couple weeks just because like not that he's not seeing like they'll see each other briefly but it's just like he's going to the, to the office he's the guy who has to tell disney when shit's not on time that's his job, okay? Like, he's the liaison between the fucking visual effects and the corporate company. So I, yeah. he, he's just, like, not sleeping. He's going to the office fucking three hours early. Like, <laughs> it's just really bad. So I'm so fascinated by it. But in general, that was, like, that was like the, the craziest fucking, you know, conversation about, like, all right, can I tell you some other thing quickly? Because this mm. is the place to get obsessed with it. I, I made Dolores watch LA Confidential the first night we got there because it was already late. And I'm like, let's just watch LA Confidential. Yeah, you're in um, LA. And, and she hadn't really seen it, or maybe she did, but a long, long time ago. And I was just like, it's, right. it's like almost a perfect movie. Like, especially those yeah. first two acts are just so immaculately fucking woven. And, and it's just amazing. And each scene builds on the previous scene's character. Mm -hmm. And it was just whatever. So uh, I don't have to tell you this. You get it. So we're watching that. Everything's really, really good. And then at the end of that, I decide to start watching this documentary that's on Hulu called uh, The Story of Film and Odyssey. 
um, which I had, I tried to watch before and I was just, I had a short attention span or whatever the fuck and I didn't care, but it literally starts from like the 1880s, the Lumiere brothers and Thomas Edison at simultaneously discover film or whatever, all the way to, uh, the documentary was made in 2002. So we don't get a lot of post nine 11 stuff, but we get like that idea of like where film evolved from. Can I just tell you that my entire life I've been the most basic bitch in the world because silent films seem fucking awesome. Like they, they changed the game. Like everything we know visually they, you can track like the first person ever put his back behind the camera. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, Jean-Luc Godard did that in this fucking movie. And like, that's where he got it. And they trace everything you love back to like where it started from. And they go yeah. literally from the Lumiere brothers all the way up. And so I, all I want to do is like, I know Filmstruck got closed down, but all I want to do is go back and watch silent films. They showed like well, Metropolis and I was like, oh, n- yeah, n- not to do like a fucking plug for a thing that do isn't it. even out yet, but it will the be criterion by the time we release this. Yeah, the Criterion thing is basically Filmstruck because Filmstruck was run by Criterion and I want to say Janus Films and right. now they're just releasing their own streaming service and it's going to be just as amazing. Apparently. I, they're oh, launching I'm, with like a, a thousand films in their library, shorts and like fucking behind the scenes well i'm gonna be honest like i i was watching this thing and like a court metropolis looks great intolerance let me talk to you about intolerance for one second and i'll bring it to video games too what is the redheaded stepchild of rockstar games max uh la noir right? nailed it nailed yeah. it absolutely and i have a such a soft spot for it i kind of love it it's the inverse of grand theft auto you can't just pull your gun out you have to use your wits you have to be good at, at your fucking job yeah, it, and i really like uh, it I, I i was thinking about this recently not to derail you here yeah, go ahead. like it, it, it's such a slow paced game and it kind of like feels like a precursor to what they more successfully did in red dead 2 sure which we can talk about later um, but I really kind of like how like not gentle, but like quiet and like restrained it is um, right. in spite of itself. Like it's not an action thrill ride for most of it. No, but it's again, well, neither is Red Dead. That's your point. It's like, yeah, yeah you need to sink hour. You have to be, sit down and play for multiple hours and you get right. this you get flow, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And it gave you a black and white option too, which is awesome. So that I is awesome. That whole game in black and white, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I never did it, but I, I know that you could. Um, and so that's my thing. I, like, I have this memory of playing that game, which is like two thirds of the game or way through the game. You have to go find somebody and you end up finding this person in a closed down movie set. And all they have are the giant like statues of Anubis and shit like that, right? Uh, Egyptian, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And again, I'm a fucking, fil- I call myself a film expert, but my film history is basically Billy Wilder on. I don't really know anything before 1950. Um, right. And I feel like I didn't need to until I watched this fucking documentary. One of the, one of the, that set that you're on in LA Noir is Intolerance by D.W. Griffith, the guy who also went on to make Birth, Birth of a Nation. Nation. Yeah. Let's not talk about that one, but Intolerance is like <laughs> fucking incredible incredible like yeah. holy shit and i was not ready for it and now i'm just talking about this to give the props to rockstar because when we talk about how meticulous they are in their design and we've seen it from grand theft auto 5 to what red dead 2 is now but even then which is like 2010 maybe like maybe even before that it wasn't yeah it was right before 2009 yeah because red dead uh one was 2011 so yeah Fucking 10 years ago, they were still had that kind of fucking like attention to detail that they not only knew what L.A. looked like at that time, they knew what films were being made at the time, right. where they were lo- located at in the city. Um, yeah. And it was fucking amazing. So, so the reason I'm bringing that up is because I really started to fall in love with a lot of silent films and I haven't seen them. I just saw clips of them and, I, and they, would, they would be like crit- critical analysis, film analysis, what's happening in the scene? How did the director convey this? 
and you're just blown away by it because we, we, we forget how fucking spoiled we are now. We have musical cues and we have fucking intense editing and we have voice. You know what I mean? We have sound. Right. And it's just like these people had to do it all with nothing. They were just actual geniuses who had to do it with moving pictures. And they were doing like in-camera effects, which is why I really um, recommend Hugo by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. big fan. Which is kind of a low-key backdoor way of introducing children and adults to film history and like the magic of silent film and everything and like what those guys were accomplishing. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, Thief of Baghdad. Thief of Baghdad, they have a flying carpet scene and it does not look bad, man. It looks really fucking yeah. good. It's like, yeah. this was 1925. No, like, how do they do this? You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they were kind of like magicians pretty much that were filming an act almost. They, like, it was they really great. were. And like, the other thing is like the law, the rules were different. Like some of, some of these people had eight hour films, like eight hour silent films and like mm-hmm. talk about color grading. Like there's a movie that like all, uh, it's mostly about like, it's called Greed. I forget who made it. Uh, maybe Fritz Lang, maybe not. Anyway, it's called Greed, and literally the color of money is represented by yellow. And by the end of the film, as we've gone through not the hero's journey, but like some fucked up anti-hero's journey, because again, the silent films did this. Not anyone, not Tony Soprano in 99, man. You know what I mean? Like, they did this already. Um, By the end of it, the entire fucking frame is yellowed. You can only see like the stick outlines of the, of the people anymore. And you're like, holy shit. Like, how did anyone have this this kind of vision at that time? And it, it's really amazing. So we're literally going to watch a couple. Like, we're going to watch Metropolis because we saw how that echoes through uh, Orson Welles. It also made me want to give Citizen Kane another shot because maybe I'm just a pretentious asshole. But every time I saw a shot, maybe not the script, but every time I saw the direction of that movie, I was like, no, nah, it's pretty fucking good, man. Oh, yeah. No, it's amazingly well-directed. It's just the problem is, like, everything in that movie, like, the story is there in service of the effects and the style and the direction right. as opposed to the other way around, which is kind of like what my beef was with, with it originally. But I do want to rewatch that, too, because it is fucking dank. Um, he was an interesting guy because I think he did 50 years in movies and never worked with a major studio, which yeah. is really fucking interesting. Cause it's like, Oh no, he was just, a, he was an auteur before that was a thing maybe, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, it was to his detriment later in his career up to a point, like he was never able to really get funding or complete shit. Like there's a couple of movies of his that like were just sort of in development turnaround hell. Right. I just couldn't like quite get him done, but yeah. Interesting guy for sure. Uh, I just, I need you to watch it, man. I'm going to be honest, because when sound got introduced, I got really angry for everybody, because <laughs> I was like, yeah. Buster Keaton's a fucking genius, and like, he's got to deal with sound now? Right. Like, it just made me so mad, like, and then that's the thing, they go through all of them, they go through Chaplin as well, and we already know that Chaplin's brilliant, but that's because we're told Chaplin is brilliant, and we've all seen The Great Dictator, we're like, yeah, that's, that's fire. But mm-hmm. like, the dude is just so next level, all of those guys were and it's just if you really love film you love visual language i think that's the thing what they what they expressed was when sound came uh onto the scene it 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 was a big um regression for filmmaking because suddenly like things they, they would film with two cameras simultaneously because they were filming for sound and instead of like doing a wide shot and then doing a close up, and they have an example of like being uh, being Crosby in one of his one of his fucking things, like it's a wide shot, it looks fine, it's beautifully composed. When they cut to the single shot, the violinist is in the left of the frame in the negative space, and it looks really clunky, really crowded. You know what I mean? It's it's not aesthetically pleasing, and it's because well they had to record for sound. So filmmaking took a real fucking step back for ten years because of sound and you don't think about that you know what i mean when, right. when you're when you're thinking about it abstractly you're like oh no this is further immersion but um 
I, I just feel like, yeah, those early guys are geniuses and all of them are overlooked and we don't understand like the, how much people are borrowing from them now, but not, not even that, like our heroes, <laughs> like I've Martin Scorsese, Spielberg, like uh, Bogdanovich, like ev- anybody who was anybody in the seventies, the, the new Hollywood fucking phase, all of these cats were inspired by uh, like the silent film people, the yeah. French. And, and that's the other best thing about this. It's like, Film history is racist by omission. Like you don't know who these Norwegian directors are. You don't know who these fucking like Russian directors are because it's been molded by Hollywood, by the money-making system. And we've purposely kept people out. So I've just started like discovering all these filmmakers I'd never heard of before. Um, yeah. And who, who all contributed so greatly. I mean, even fucking Stagecoach, which my yeah. whole life I was so shitty about. I'm like, I don't want to watch fucking Stage. Fuck John Wayne. Yeah. And then you watch well, it. And- hey, you know what, man? Like, I'll, I'll submit a, a challenge to it's, let's, to let's us both. It. Like, let's one or both of us get this Criterion thing and yeah. just, like, commit to doing, like, one to two movies a week, even if we don't talk about them. Like, just for our own edification. Right, dude, I am so yeah. ready. Like, uh, I, I've rewatched enough of my favorite movies enough times. Like, I've seen, you know, fucking Sicario enough times. Uh, I don't need right. to keep watching that. Um, so yeah, movie. I think that would be really good. It's great. You know what? I'm just gonna rewatch that. Let's do that. Not, it fucks silent film. Money. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then he basically made a silent film. Like, there's three hours in Blade Runner. That fucker is like 55 minutes of silence combined. If you get technical, which is really impressive. Uh, yeah. Age, but yeah, I, I did watch through that movie without any sound once, and uh, it's still, still fucking great. fire. Yeah, it's still amazing. It's a fucking masterpiece. <sighs> my my um, point is this though, like you know, so obviously I fell in love with that. Uh, in general, I fell in love with the place. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not falling for the trap that oh, I'm gonna come out here and I'm gonna get frame. It's not that. It's not that. Mm. But it really is about being in like in it, being in well, a location nearby where if you call yourself serious about art, it's almost like the BBC. You ever hear Martin? Who's the guy who plays uh, Bilbo? Uh, fucking uh, shit. What's his name? Not Ian Glenn. Martin Freeman. Yeah, sorry, him. He just yeah. talked about like the BBC is like uh is like a is like a club that if you just wait long enough outside of, everyone will get in. <laughs> like the bouncer will let you in eventually. He's like, because it's like a small kind of thing. And if you just keep showing up, like you'll get something. Yeah. And apparently like that is true. Not on the Mac. I'm not saying go to LA, you're going to become a movie director. But if you want to be like adjacent to the industry, you can be like, you can get a PA job pretty easily. From what I understand, you can do a lot of things that are adjacent to the industry. And so if you want to call yourself an artist, like there's really no better place to be. Plus the weather's fire. I don't know. My point is this. I'm moving there. We're moving there. I, have, I, I haven't bought anything. I haven't looked at anything. But in my mind, I'm already there, Max. So that's my mission oh, yeah, now. Man. I'm, I'm really, really happy for you. I'm happy. Like, I, I knew, and I told you this uh, a I'll couple of times. Now. But I... <laughs> fucking shit shut the fuck up <laughs> no i fucking told you like i knew that you were gonna enjoy it uh, at least on some level i would have been shocked if you came back and would have been like that's a bullshit city it's invalid i don't like it it's like it's got all the urban blight that you love uh so much all over the goddamn place and it's got the culture it's got the food um and it's warmer it's like a warmer more spread out uh what you get with new york um so yeah. it's hoodie weather that's how you sold me. If you would have said, Christian, you can wear your hoodie 365 days, I would have been like, I'm moving there. That's all I right. want to do is wear hoodies. Can I tell you one last thing that happened while we were on this trip? Um, yeah, of course. So at one point, Dolores is like, let's go to Santa Monica. And I'm just like, all right, let's go to Santa Monica. So we go, and it's also the, the weekend of the LA Marathon, so the city is just for shit, and it's really hard. To, I, I was really lucky about traffic for almost all of it, except for the day we went to Santa Monica, and it was yeah. rough about two hours round trip and it's only 15 miles away. So let that sink in. Um, 
Uh, but when we got there, it was like, okay, this is cool. Really, really crowded. So we decided to go down this like other path, not on the boardwalk, but adjacent to the boardwalk. And Dolores is like, oh my God, look at the birds. And she looks up and a pigeon shits right on her face. Like not on her head, her face, dude. And it's like, <laughs> first of all, I'm a really good fiance because I offer my sleeve. I'm like, you can wipe that bird shit on my sleeve, on my fucking hoodie, Max. As you know, I'm fond of hoodies. Wait, so like it started off with the wonder, look at the birds, bird shit immediately. And Dolores, like, I fucking love you, but that's... <laughs> Yeah. That's the funniest fucking thing. It's ever. hilarious. And I actually blame her. Like, you can't blame the bird. You gave him a target. Like, you don't look up at the pier. You know what you I mean? You don't look up and you also don't acknowledge them verbally. You, uh, you never. <laughs> they're That's fine the until, you, until you acknowledge them it's, out loud. It, yeah, the celebrity rule, it's the same as bird rule. Pitching. Like, you don't. Yeah, you, you, they're ghosts. You don't act like they're there. Oh, man. It was pretty fucking metal. And it kind of, like, that happened 30 seconds into us getting there. So it wasn't like, like, we could really only go up on this trip. And we didn't do much. We just kind of walked around the pier. And then we, you know, went up a mountain and shit like that. It was really cool. Santa Monica's crowded. I very much prefer the other parts of LA. But, um, yeah, dude, it was fucking great. I mean, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. You were not wrong. Uh, Beyond that, though, it's like our friend Skylar's out there. My friend Ryan's out there. My friend Janine's out there. Like my friend Vanessa. I have like uh, people out there already, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so you went to Cassell's, by the way. You're gonna tell me, did you did you like it? How did yeah, you no, it was good. It was I, I good. Think it's I a just very got, simple burger experience. Right, I just got very drunk. I uh, <laughs> yeah, Skyler Skyler wanted to talk about life and that, and I you know I respect him too much. I won't repeat what was said here, but it was a pretty it was like a pretty in depth conversation, and it was cool. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I needed like three vodkas to get through it. So I was just like, <laughs> vodka, kettle one on ice, thank you, and just yeah. kept drinking. Um, but it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. you know that part of town's really interesting because it was the only part of LA that I felt was like Brooklyn. I'm sure there are other parts of it. I just haven't gone to every town because it was so fucking bustling, even at like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh that's, shit, okay. That's this what is I really Brooklyn. liked about it because yeah. like I, I was on a night schedule when I was there, and Cassell's is in on the first floor of the hotel I stayed in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and it just happens to be you were on like the Normandy this, Hotel Normandy. Yeah, I was yeah, in nice. Normandy, um, and it just happens to be like this really renowned burger joint in L.A. Um, but yeah, like out of my window, you can see like the rooftops where Korean shop owners were like had fucking rifles during the LA riots and shit. Like that's where shit went down and it's right near downtown too, but it's a really neat part of town and you could go like walking to in the morning, you know, get some fucking Korean barbecue, coffee, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was pretty fucking cool, man. No, I mean, I'm just, you know, that's what I didn't see as much as I would like. I mean, I went to like Atwater, I went to Glendale. That's the thing. It's like going to New York for a weekend. Like you're not going to see. No way. It's not even the tip of the iceberg. I got everything. uh, What is this? No, north. Everything north of uh, Silver Lake, I pretty much saw. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, but everything, I didn't go to Hollywood at all. I had no interest to go to Hollywood. I mean, a part yeah. of me wanted to go see the Chinese theater, right? Or the, or the New Beverly. Oh. Like there were some things I really wanted to see. Okay. Ah, man, good, I did. Just be, yeah. right, well, I just figured there were better fucking things to do than to go to that and the same thing with the Hollywood sign. It's just like, look, I would have liked yeah. to go up there for the view, but not for the fucking sign. You know what I mean? Yeah, because um, so, it's but, a sign, like you know what it looks like. <laughs> well, I think we're gonna go back for Dolores's birthday. Like we're already planning an emergency reback, which is in July. So oh, it sucks. Shit. I gotta wait a couple months, but like I'm so ready to go back. Um, and she's like looking for jobs out there now too, and it's 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 fucking cool, man. I don't know. It's I, I, what I what I said to Ryan, and I'll say to you now, which is like I really judge every place by how many uh, like ideas I get or how many like flashes of inspiration I get. That's very much how I judge every place I'm in. Yeah. 
when I moved to Brooklyn, I wrote like 30 songs. I wrote a comic. I was, I, I felt so liberated inspired and inspired. And, um, yeah. and Philly, though I love Philly, I have not quite, I've written a couple things here and I like it, um, but I'm not feeling it the same, same way. LA was just like, idea, idea, idea. Like I and broke a, an act of this thing I want to start writing and it's like, right. it's really great, man. Well, there, there is something really surreal and mysterious to me about LA. It's like you feel like as soon as you step out of that airport, it's like you're in this other place almost and it does kind of feel lynchian to me anyway um right. just like how the sun is just so harsh and there's like all these sharp contrasting shadows and the spanish inspired architecture and the palm trees and the blight and everything and there's just something i don't know uh there's something sort of special about it to me and uh, it's also a city with a very defined identity too like just like new york has a defined identity you could like take a picture of any street in new york and go oh that's new york like i feel that way about right. LA too you, like there's no other city. It is amazing. Like the palm trees are fucking everywhere. They make you feel yeah. really good. It's like, really it's really hard to explain, man. LAX, I totally get it. I actually took a weird video that I was going to send you because I was like, mm -hmm. I got off LAX and there's just this long fucking corridor to like get out of the air. The airport's huge and I feel like most of yeah. it is empty fucking hallways, but they just have these weird lights that were like slightly tinted pink. And they were fluorescent. And I was just like, this is creepy. Like, I just need to take the steadiest <laughs> shot I can. Like, if this was yeah. a, a tracking shot, like, a, if we put this shit on a dolly, it would be incredible. You know what I mean? Sure. So I'm going to send that to you in a minute. But that's like, that was my first 20 seconds in LA. I went to this fucking abandoned, like, two people in this half quarter mile fucking length hallway. And just yeah. these buzzing lights. And I was like, yes, yeah, pretty fucking I'm cool. I'm guessing you went to In-N-Out, by the way, right? Uh, no, I didn't. I went there when I went to Austin, so I didn't have to do it. When oh, okay. I, like I've already experienced in and out. You've done the in and out. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I, good. I mean, I wanted to go places like Cassell's and stuff. You know what I mean? Like right. I want to like places you can't go anywhere else. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I, had I not known that in and out was in Austin, like right, because I didn't. I like got there and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. I thought they opened the first in and out burger in Austin. It's like, no, this has been here for years, man. But I'm yeah. basic as fuck, dude, because I liked Carl's Jr., which uh, on the East Coast we call Hardee's. And they had rallies, which on the East Coast we call checkers. And I was like, I'm a tourist because that's cooler to me than the fucking Hollywood <laughs> side. Like, who gives a shit about that, man? Right. So, I don't know. It was, uh, the point is this. It was a great experience. I can't wait to go back. I was wrong. I'm not above saying I'm wrong sometimes. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but usually I'm never wrong. I get yeah. it. I know. This is a real shock for you as well. But it was great. I can't wait to go back. Um, yeah. Oh, I will say this. The one other thing I did when I was there is I saw a fucking us. Did you see it? You saw us, right? I did see us. Right. Look, Last we can night. splice this and make this a part of the uh, the movies and shit if you want to. But I'm so... Or let's do a very light yeah. deep dive on this if you want to. But yeah, that's fun. So curious to, to hear what you said because here's the thing. I really fucking enjoyed the movie. Um, like, I was trying to explain this. Like, if you want to get technical, like, it hits every rule of screenwriting correctly. They give you every setup, every reminder, and every payoff for pretty much every character and every beat of the script. So on a, like, technical level, it's holy shit. It was, like, really, it was like watching someone compose, uh, like, a symphony or something. You're like, wow, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it did all of that. I liked almost all of it. I thought it was really well shot. I have, like one stupid fucking issue with not the very very end not the last 30 seconds of the movie but like the last twist of the movie and let's just say spoilers for us because i can't talk okay. about this movie without fucking talking let's, about let's it. let's do it um yeah go I away if you haven't I, seen us yet yeah yeah please do i don't know how i feel about it yeah. i don't know if i liked it or not i'm gonna be really really honest um and it's not 
I, I'm definitely leaning more towards like than dislike. Um, but it's impossible to see this movie, and every reviewer has said this, so sorry for being basic, but it's impossible to watch this movie without comparing it to Get Out. Like, at least for me. Because, like, I think that his stylistic flourishes are still there, like, from Get Out. And the way he writes a screenplay are still there. Because Get Out is nothing but setups and payoffs. Like, that's the beauty of... That's why it's so wonderful to return to that movie. Is because it's, like, got this tight inner logic to it. And it's got, like, all of these setups. Like, in the beginning, when you first watch it, you don't realize that his girlfriend... What's her name? Rose? Mm Mm-hmm. Like when they get stopped by the cop and she's insisting that the cop not take his, his license. At first you think, oh, it, she's standing up for him and against racism. But then on the second watch, you're like, oh, she doesn't want a paper trail to place this guy in a location. Right. Like just shit like that. Um, so on that level, yeah, like it's definitely very much a Jordan Peele movie. I don't think it's as good as Get Out uh, at all. I enjoyed it up to a point. I, I'm not really sure. What are your thoughts uh, in general? Because I'm no, also I mean- interested. I literally just saw it. No, get get out was a was a punch to the fucking gut. I mean, get out was like such a uh, like shot of adrenaline, I guess, mm. because we see everything. And in that regard, I'd still want to give us a bunch of acclaim because again, yeah. we we are fucking dealing with a lot of sequels and a lot of unoriginality, oh, um, sure. and the fact that anyone is trying to take a chance on anything like that ambitious because it is ambitious. I mean, say what you want about it, like the idea of where he tried to go with it and is he a little ham-fisted and his whole us versus them like is this a metaphor for our current political uh, uh discontent and and and, and uh, what's the word i'm looking for here segregation in a well, way well that that's something i'm curious to hear your thoughts on is what do you think he was saying because this is definitely social horror there's definitely social commentary there but like what do you think uh i mean i think were the tethered well, I don't think that matters, uh, to be honest. I don't think it matters within the story itself. Like, we don't know who did that to them, right? Like, whoever made them the the well, bad... Well, go ahead. Sorry. What'd you no, say? yeah, that's... I, I don't mean in a literal plot sense. I mean in, like, the social... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I, think, I think it's pretty fucking simple. That's the thing where I didn't understand why everyone was like, I don't understand the movie. Let me explain it. Like, for me, anyway, maybe I'm just totally missing it, but it seems very obvious it's an us versus them story, clearly, the use of doppelgangers. Beyond that, the people who are the real villains are the people who... The, the people who made this experiment, the people who created these others that are living underground, the people that are tethered, we never see them. And so what we're doing is we're fighting with, with, with ourselves more than anything else. Like ev- everyone is kind of affected by these unknowing, these other people. And I think the, the easy fucking metaphor he's trying to say is like, yeah, we're all us, the normal people, Americans, we're fighting each other. We're entrenched in our sides while the unseen fucking people keep on not being held accountable. You know what I mean? That's really, I thought it was fucking basic. Is this not what you got out of it or, or what's up? It's roughly like I got kind of like a class warfare, not class warfare, but like a definitely classism uh, commentary on like not race as much as get out, but more so just like where we are in the hierarchy and like the people underground um, are the people at the very bottom. But at the end of the day, they are us. And she even says explicitly, look, we're human. We're just like you, flesh and blood and bone. So why am I like resigned to a life right. underground in a subterranean hell um, designed by people I've never met? Right. Uh, so like, and I, I kind of took like the people who ever designed that not to be literal people, but like just the system of bureaucracy that's in place that is designed to keep the people at the bottom at the bottom. Sure. And this is the reckoning, right? Um, uh, one of my problems with it, and it's not really the movie's fault, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but like the big twist of the movie, 
Um, mm -hmm. I called like 15 minutes in because I'd been primed by Get Out to know that there was going to be some kind of twist or reveal. Mm -hmm. um, so I was thinking like, what could it be? And just the masterful opening scene, by the way. Yeah. Um, j just the whole idea of like the girl going into this place and then seeing a doppelganger, seeing herself. I'm like, okay, so probably there was a switcheroo. Right. A little switcheroo that happened and we're going to find out at the end that this lady is actually the doppelganger got out and resigned the other woman and it just keeps reinforcing that with like how her doppelganger has this really choked voice and everything and none of the other ones can talk etc um oh sure they give you every clue they give you every yeah. clue to kind of figure even, even her at like there's a bunch of times where i'm watching it and i'm like this is some white people shit like and i don't mean that in a racist way i just mean like yo white people are like what's that noise let me get out of safety to go investigate like it's the right. scene where she goes out of the car in the middle of the night and i'm like what the fuck yeah. are you doing and I feel like all of that, all of that is breadcrumbs. All of that is mm -hmm. are clues for you to kind of grasp onto. Right. My issue with it was like, honestly, I didn't go for the twist. I mean, initially, I was like, I'm going to take everything at face value for the most part, um, because I hadn't watched Get Out since like 2017 or something. So I wasn't oh, really? like, yeah, I watched I it just, once and I loved just it. Just rewatched it. See, you were primed, man. I probably should have rewatched it. I didn't want to compare it because I. If everyone keeps saying, oh, he's not the next Spielberg, he's the first Jordan Peele, it's like, all right, cool. Like, let me not, like, let me see what he does on his own thing. I don't want to be influenced by his other work or whatever. Um, so that happened. It wasn't even about the twist. It was just that, like, if that was what the twist was, they were a little lazy on perspective early on. And that's my beef with it. Like, I, the, the twist comes and I'm just like, all right, but... Like, you set up scenes through the POV of other people earlier. And so it's either she fucking knows that she's the doppelganger the entire time or she discovers it at the very end. But either way, like, we, the audience, were forced to see a certain perspective. And at no point do they... Like, it's lazy. Like, it just seemed lazy mm -hmm. to me that to be like, oh, well, that thing you saw wasn't from the person's perspective you actually thought it was. And it just kind of bothered me. And it felt like unnecessary. Like up until that moment, I'm still with the entire movie. I think it's pretty. Lapita does an amazing job. Like, I think I guessed it beforehand when she kills her doppelganger and she fucking becomes feral for half a second yeah. or whatever. She's like clicking her fucking, I'm like, okay, well she ain't normal. Yeah. But, but he at the same time, drops some clues to right. like just how she talks, like the weird cadence of her voice is very stilted throughout the movie, mm -hmm. which I thought was weird. And I'm like, okay, maybe doppelganger shit's going on. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there, there's a few little clues. I, I, I think that one of my bigger issues with it, maybe this will get better on rewatch, but I feel like it's only going to get worse is just that none of the people in it act like human beings throughout the movie, right. like the way they're reacting to the situation. And it's not setting up a universe in which like everything is heightened. It seems like this is a real family and they're having real family conversations. But when shit starts going down, it doesn't really feel like they're reacting to this in the way that people would. Like you watch a movie and I know you're not a fan, but Funny Games. Um, which I like is the original Funny Games. Which is a direct inspiration for this movie, uh, for sure. Like at least in part, um, the home invasion aspect of it. Like the way that uh, that family reacts to that is so real and stark and just fucking like a gut punch. In this, it's like they're cracking jokes and it's like this weird mis mismatched like kind of tone between humor and tension that hmm. didn't quite work for me. I know what he was going for. I don't mean to shit on it. Like I'd give this like a B probably, but I just wanted it to be an A really bad right um yeah people are really sucking his dick and that's fine i mean that's the problem is like people are just calling it like, it's a fucking masterpiece it's the greatest film of the last 10 years and i'm just like oh well somebody said that 
Yeah, no, a lot of people are saying it. And it's just like, good. For, I, like, I wish I could enjoy movies the way people yeah. do. Uh, I, I do too. That's why yeah. I love Denny Villeneuve is because like every time I go into it thinking like, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. This is going to be the one that's just fine. And then it's a fucking masterpiece again. Um, right. No, it's, no, it's, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. sir. Uh, I was I was just going to say about, yeah, I mean, for me, ultimately, like, I, I still applaud what that movie is, because yeah. even if you want to talk about, oh, it's mis, uh, the tone is, is mismatched at times and whatnot, it's like, we're not getting anything serious anymore. We're not getting any kind of real social commentary. We're not getting it through an easily digestible guys like suspense or horror or any of these other things, right? Like, you've talked about it before, where a lot of times horror is always a direct response to what we're actually afraid of at the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no one's really doing that. Some people are like, we've definitely entered this weird existential version of horror in the last like five, six years, you know, with like, it yeah, follows the, the Babadook. The uh, A24 era. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. yeah. yeah. Basically that, that company alone has done so fucking much um, hereditary stuff like that. Yeah. You know, where it's like, we're getting, we're getting more cerebral and we're getting more existential and introspective, which I like, but we're not getting, I wanted to know the first great movie of the post Trump era. And it's like, get out definitely was written before Trump and it, and it works as a great response to Trump, but it was not written like, you know what I'm saying? It was written before that dude took office where like, I felt like, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, get out to me is much more like a, an Obama era era horror movie because like and you can tell like and i think this is something that uh because i watched the double toasted review and i was actually like pretty on board with what they were saying but i think Corey does say that like yeah like get out is clearly the product of um somebody's uh vision that he'd been like stewing on or sitting on for years and years and years whereas this was more like i have this little nugget of an idea let me expand it but like get out i think he even said um half the things that the white people in that movie say are things that he's that have been said to him or that he overheard right his friends Bradley Whitford's entire character yeah. is that guy yeah, <laughs> I, I would have uh, voted for Obama third term or whatever um and then like all the things that like when the party goers are checking him out before the auction or whatever uh it's this commentary on white liberal racism um that is never talked about and it's really uh refreshing to see that the shit um, I'm always one, talking about. Someone said it yeah, in a fucking movie. <laughs> Thank exactly. God. He made a whole thriller horror movie about it. And like one of the beautiful things uh, about Get Out 2 is that the trailers and the marketing did not prepare me for how strange that movie would be. Right. And what the like the strangeness of that twist. And I'm not like all about twists, but like when done well, twist is a wonderful thing. Right. Um, and just like, I, you know something's going on in Get Out. You don't know that it's literally white people are taking the brains out of black people, transplanting their own brains into them so they can live longer and whatever. Um, it's fucking weird. It's definitely, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know when he pitched that, he had to lie to them about what was going yeah. on. He like shot two versions of it or something because <laughs> there's no way someone's right. like, oh, here's some money to do that, you know? And, it's, uh, like, I, I think yeah. the larger thing about it is like, look, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's as um, sharply written or as well, well made as Get Out, I, having not seen it in a long time. I remember getting out of Get Out and being like, holy shit. And I remember getting out of this and being like, yeah, that was pretty fucking good. Like, again, on a technical yeah. fucking level, I was like so impressed by a lot of things that happened. But something was off. And I think I said that to you immediately. I was like, mm. yeah, I mean, it's really good. But. Yeah, no, like, I I would say the takeaway here is not that he, like, you know, screwed the pooch or anything or sophomore slump. Like, I think that's pretty reductive. I would say that, like, the takeaway here is that Jordan Peele is obviously, you know, a talented guy. Get Out was not a fluke. 
Um, right. Us does a lot of things very right. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still putting this in the B range if I had to. But it's not, it's not like a fucking one-two punch. You know, it's right. not another masterpiece. It's very good. I think Lupita, I really hope, well, that's what I was going to say. Like (laughs) this guy now at age like 45, starting to get some straight up. Like, like this is probably like the longest speaking role he's had in a Hollywood film ever. ever, Right. Cause he was in Bridesmaids had literally no lines whatsoever. The Tim face, they would cut to him. (laughs) No, but it was great. I was watching this and I was just like, do any, does anyone know? (laughs) Cause like we've been watching this guy since we were like 16 or something. God, that, that part where he's like going to help Lapita up and then he like snatches his hand away and does the fucking, (laughs) the funniest thing you've ever seen. Like, like should not have been like, I'm sure that was more menacing in the script, but yeah. Jesus Christ, was it just pure comedy? Was it like the the, the little yeah. fucking life raft of levity that I needed in the moment? No, uh, te- tethered version of Tim Heidecker's character was, uh, and also Elizabeth Moss fucking great. killed it. Yeah. it was so creepy when she's like cutting the knife up yeah. and then, like putting yeah. on lip gloss and shit. Yeah. Very scary. Um, yeah, and Lupita was amazing. For That's sure. what I was about to say. Yeah, I was like, listen, was. I I I really. I, it, the fact that he won for Get Out means that I think people, and the fact that people love him, I think this means this will get some kind of love in the Academy. And I hope it doesn't win fucking Best Screenplay again or any of that shit. Um, but I really hope that she gets some kind of love because she did some amazing shit. Right. And then also I just heard how they did that and they shot all of the Red Lady first, like all mm-hmm. of the Red Family first, and then they went back and gave oh, themselves really? to react okay. to their own performances really blown away by it man i thought she was so great and it's so weird yeah. because we've seen her do great stuff before it's not like we should be surprised but i was like mm-hmm. god damn it she's like an actress man she yeah was- apparently she was pulling a daniel day lewis according to an interview i saw with uh, right. peel where she was like talking in that voice right. that probably voice or whatever and he said <laughs> he like walked into her <laughs> yeah right uh he walked into her dressing room um like she'd been in there for a few hours he was like hey come on out it's ready to go and she was just standing in the corner staring at him like with the fucking <laughs> face he's like yeah, one interview where he, where she would just like keep the voice but about mundane shit you know what i mean she'd be like watch that wire more checks mix at the craft table like shit like that and i'm yeah. like what the but no seriously i'm really happy for her just because 12 years a slave that performance was so wonderful hard to watch well yeah hard to watch but wonderful um and just the places that she went with that performance were like breathtaking for an Mm -hmm. actress i had never seen before that's soap Um, scene man yeah um every the whipping scene was just yeah uh, i sure but like white guilt and i'm not even white i don't like whipping i'm not going to be like that's great performance because like that's it's horrific you know what i mean but just that scene where she's like i pick more than any man and she's just like and for that i will be clean when i don't know mm-hmm. freaks me the fuck out she was yeah, so good in that well oh, point, point being like just the fact that uh i was worried that like oh we're not going to see this lady again Right. really because like this that is kind of this once in a lifetime sort of like amazing performance and then she's right. going to disappear but i'm really glad that she's like getting work still she's killing it man she's doing great god bless her yeah i mean it's not going to incite another civil war which is probably a good thing can i can we can we jump off us for a second and me just talk yeah. about civil war for a second which is like is that legit what it's called it's called the civil war is this something we all colloquially kind of refer to it as like back in the day were they calling it the civil war i well i think back in the day they called it the war between the states but i guess my question is the same ring to it <laughs> who coined it like because civil war in and of itself is an oxymoron so i'm just wondering like were these the, were mike they, civil 
Yeah, <laughs> Mike Sybil. What a what a fucking trailblazer, Mike Sybil was. <laughs> no, I'm sitting here wondering, like, it was just like the hipsters were trying to be ironic. The hipsters of the 1860s were just oh, like, because, this is the Civil it's War. So uncivil, so uncivilized. <laughs> it clearly it was, be man. <laughs> a great jape if we called it the Civil War. Aha! Uh-huh. And they swirled brandies and raised their nose to the fucking air. <laughs> Wearing ascots in the summer. Well, that was my next thing was like, what did they wear? Because I assume back then everyone was rocking monocles and top hats and shit. So what so were they? They were all just wearing, wearing t-shirts and yeah. jeans back then. They were all Bruce Springsteen's back then, man. Just right. working class. They were all a bunch of rich kids that looked like they were working class, <laughs> but their jeans cost way more. Right. <laughs> kind of like today. More. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't Raw know denim. You you don't wash it, you put it in the freezer. That's wait, where's that from? That's raw denim. You don't wash it, Christian. You put it in the freezer. <laughs> I would think being hipster adjacent for as long as you were in Brooklyn, you would know that. Hipster not adjacent, not hipster. I have a denim jacket. I don't know what I'm doing with it though. You know, I just wear it. I've got I've got a raw denim jacket. I haven't washed it. Did you put, put it, it in, in the, the freezer? freezer? Yeah, shoot, <laughs> bet your ass I did. <laughs> Take me back to November, what's up? Can we go back to November? Take me back to November Hawaiian shirts in the winter Deep thoughts, deep thoughts Now take me back to November, what's up? What if Clinton fucking me over? What if who that boy is rhetorical when this shit is over? What if I'm hustling backwards? What if my accountant ain't paying my taxes? Filling his pockets and IRS show up asking me questions I couldn't answer cause I was too busy trying to make classics What if my music too weird for the masses? And I'm only known for tweets more than beats Or all my day ones turn to three fours Cause the track seven Fuck, what if I get stuck? What if I got comfortable? I gotta keep it buck 50 what? If I lost it all and ended up back in Ladera At them shitty apartments that's across the Bank of America Damn, I would be hurting Writing all of these songs Cause Wi-Fi wasn't working Last year in total I put out two versions of five, seven figures Since DM life's kinda perfect Or is it really? Or is it really? Bitch, you know the deal It really, hell it really Till it's silly Hold that billy How I really rock When they can't relate them When they start to hate them They don't drive these cars So what's they ultimatum? Tell me what's your November Is it a person? Mine was the summer 06 I remember the what if I thought the break was the gas? What if I crashed? What if these deep thoughts is my last? Let me pull over quick and drive back to November. Take me back to November. Hawaiian shirts in the winter cold, water cold, water. Yeah, take me back to November. What's up? Can we go back to November? Take me back to November. Hawaiian shirts in the winter, deep thoughts, deep thoughts. Now take me back to November. What's up? Those uh, our future Sundays, we just go skate all day. My November was when I was gifted this gets and Gilbert. My November was my brother took me to my first. My November was summer 2015 when I fell in love with someone. 2014, Miami 43rd Street. Every day was November. Take me back, 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 take me back. 